Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 316. Taking a Royal Caribbean cruise is a great family vacation because of all the great things to see and do on board. You've got swimming, fine dining, kids clubs, Broadway shows, massages. That's just the beginning of the wonderful activities you can do on board a ship. And with so many choices, you may be wondering what you can do to ensure you not only see it all, but don't miss anything. Today, I'm sharing not just 10 tips for a great Royal Caribbean cruise, but 10 tips I personally use on every Royal Caribbean cruise I take. Here we go. One of my favorite things to do on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com is to share tips and tricks and advice that you know I've learned over the years of cruising and others have shared as well. And it's really cool to be able to, to share all that. And it got me thinking the other day, I was like, what tips do I, not only do I actually use, because sometimes I offer advice, but it doesn't really apply to me, or perhaps I see it differently, but regardless, I, I was really thinking, what advice do I actually, you know, practice what I preach? What do I actually use every single sailing that I go on? And it, that, I think, is a kind of an intriguing fact, because to share tips is one thing. To share tips that I actually use, I think would be pretty helpful. And these aren't the only 10 things I do, but I felt like I would pick out 10 tips that I use every single time in the hopes that this would add more credence to the argument that perhaps you should at least consider it for your particular thing. Because of course, all tips and advice is subjective and what works for one person may not work for another, but I have found these 10 tips work for me quite well. So these are 10 things, uh, strategies, uh, personal beliefs, whatever you want to look at it, that I use on every single Royal Caribbean cruise. And number one with a bullet is I use a travel agent. And I know sometimes people, you know, accuse me of being a broken record about talking about the benefits of a travel agent, but I'm telling you that using a good travel agent saves me so much time. When I first started using travel agents, I thought it was all about saving money. You know, hey, who can get me the best, you know, discount and, you know, how much onboard credit can I get? And that is a nice benefit of using a travel agent from time to time, but it's actually the time saved that really makes my life easier. Having a travel agent just simplifies things for me. And I often try to explain to people that when you use a travel a good travel agent, over time, as you book more and more cruises with them, you will see that they're just going to free you up. They're going to make the process simpler for you. Obviously, anybody can go on a website, book a cruise. It's really not that difficult. That's not what a travel agent is all about. It is about making your life easier, simplifying things, being your go-between. And the, the, the example I always give, the metaphor, if you will, is going to court. If you ever go to court, you usually get a lawyer. Why do you get a lawyer? Of course, you can represent yourself in court, but you don't know the ins and outs of the system. And a travel agent is kind of like that because they know the ins and outs of the system and they're going to be the ones who are going to be sitting on hold with Royal Caribbean. They're going to be the ones who are going to be sorting out problems while you're freed up to listen to great podcasts like this. So again, using a good travel agent is something I always advocate. And I use every single time I book a cruise and it's just, it's a, I, I can't even imagine now looking back on it, how many issues, how many, uh, you know, situations we've run into in the past that a travel agent has made my life so much easier for. So using a travel agent, number one, the next thing I always use is I pre-purchase as much as I can from the cruise planner site. I remember when I first started realcreamblog.com and I would go on some cruises and I would, you know, want to try all these cool things. And I would lament at the end of the cruise, that bill that came at the end, you know, it's, it's the last morning of your cruise. It's bad enough uh, as it is. It's the last morning of your cruise. And then you get that bill 
on your door and you open it up and you're like, oh God, oh God. It's kind of like the opposite of the old game show, Press Your Luck, where in the game show, people would be like, no whammies, no whammies, big bucks. And instead of big bucks, I'm, <laughs> I was wishing for like no bucks, like small bill, small bill, small bill, no whammies, stop on. And you would see the final bill. And it always gave me so much anxiety. And inevitably, it was always more than I wanted to pay. I mean, it's always going to be that. But it, it just created a, a pain point for me in that regard. So I've learned to pre-purchase as much as I can from Royal Chrome's website beforehand. It's not to say that the final bill is any different. The difference is that I'm able to prepay it and put it on different billing cycles. And I always find, this is true of all credit card billing in general, is that it's easier to pay off smaller credit card bills over time rather than just one giant one. And so if I can buy the drink package, you know, a couple months before the cruise and then a different month of the year, I'll purchase our dining and another month of the year, I'll purchase our shore excursions. That really helps reduce the final cost of that bill. And there's no more. I really don't fear that monster bill at the end of the cruise because it doesn't exist. Certainly, I'll know if I you know, go crazy on board and maybe buy too many massages or something like that. But really, I don't recall running into that issue at all. And nowadays, when I go on cruises, I really don't have that fear. Otherwise, I just grab the bill, look at, okay, usually it's just Adventure Ocean charges for our kids for staying late. But, you know, that that's fine. I can deal with that. So pre-purchase as much as you can because not only will it probably save you money because in a lot of cases, the pre-purchase price is cheaper than the onboard price, but it also helps with your billing cycle. So that's a, that's a big one for me. If I happen to be flying into a cruise, these days it's hard for me to do that because I live in Florida more often where cruises are out of Florida. But regardless, if I'm going to be flying to a cruise, I always fly in at least one day before you're sailing. Look, I, I get the, the rationale flying in the same day, but you really don't want to travel delay to put your entire cruise vacation at risk because you know, you're know you not going to be able to make the ship on time. It, to me, this is a no-brainer. I, I don't, I can understand if you're just not aware of this particular scenario, you know, you're, you're kind of new to cruising. And again, the, what you don't want to do is fly into the day of your cruise, because if your flight is delayed, if your flight is canceled, if your car breaks down, if a variety of things that can happen along the way will impact your ability to make the cruise ship, well, now you're putting your entire vacation at risk. It's just not worth it. Fly in at least one day ahead of time. That way, if there is a flight delay or cancellation, there is buffer for you to move to a different flight and still make your cruise vacation on time. Moreover, it starts your vacation a little bit earlier. I mean, at the end of the day, who doesn't want to start their vacation one day earlier? Even if it means our spending a little more money on a hotel room and and you know dining out, whatever. The, the bottom line is it starts your vacation earlier. You get to enjoy a little bit more. You get to get away from home a little bit earlier. It's one, from my wife's perspective, she would say it's one less you know dinner we have to make at home, which is even better. Uh, so I, I think flying at least one day before you're sailing is a must do. Uh, definitely if you're flying before you're sailing, it's just if you're driving to your ship, you know, I've done it both ways. I still think going even driving to the port is way better idea because, again, traffic, car breakdowns, you know, uh, any any of those accidents, you don't you just don't leave that to, to chance. Get in there at least a day beforehand. The next thing I always do is arrive to the port early on embarkation. And now I may have <laughs> set myself up for a bit of reputation here in terms of always arriving early. Some people think I get to the port at like 8 a.m. Not true. I'd like to. No, I'm just kidding. I always uh, joke with my wife that like we're going to leave home at 6 a.m. sharp. And she's like, no, we're not getting there that early. But I always get to the cruise port early. 10 a.m. is what I consider to be early. And the reason why I get to the cruise port early is a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, when embarkation begins, which is usually around 11 a.m. or so, I want to be there. I want to be among the first people to get on board the ship because 
the price is the same whether you show up at you know 11 a.m. or you show up at 2 p.m. So why not get more out of your vacation value? I mean, in addition to that, what else are you going to do? Sit in your hotel room? I mean, I can kind of understand if you want to do a pre-cruise excursion like you're in you know uh, Port Canaveral and you want to go to see uh, the NASA Space Center, do that for a couple hours before your cruise, or you're in Miami and you want to go you know do some cultural activities there. I can kind of see your your way to that, but. I always arrive to the cruise port early because for me, it's usually, well, we're at a hotel or we're coming in there and we're just going to, let's just get there, get on board, be among the first to get on board. Not only that, we'll beat the crowds getting on board the ship. We'll enjoy lunch because I'm not going to pay for lunch on land if I can get a free lunch in the Windjamere while on board. And it gets us started earlier and it gives us more time on our vacation day. Embarkation day is such a busy day to begin with that I love the more ample time we have to kind of just take a little easier and enjoy it all. Plus, you've got that pre-cruise anxiety, right? You know this. If you've cruised before, that day of the cruise, you wake up in the morning and you know that like at first, like you're kind of, you're when you first wake up, whether it's from your alarm or naturally, you're kind of groggy because we're waking up and then you're like, oh. then, yeah, then your brain realizes it's cruise day. And then you're like, yes. And then all of a sudden that surge of energy comes up that you never have in the morning. Well, you got to get on board the ship then, right? So getting to the port early to me is a must do on our vacation day. We do it every single time. If my wife was here, she would totally roll her eyes and say, yes, this is accurate. The next thing I always do is consider excursions from Royal Caribbean and third parties. I don't limit myself to one or the other. And oftentimes I will see people who will say, I only book the Royal Caribbean or I only book on my own. And I'll tell people, I always consider both options. Why limit yourself? Number one. Number two, why not consider each option and then see which works best for you? In some ports, booking through Royal Caribbean is, is a better idea. In some ports, booking a third party is a better idea. And in other ports, well, it's just really a matter of what you're looking to do. And I don't know that limiting yourself, there are benefits to each one, right? If you book through Royal Caribbean, you get the satisfaction and safety net that, you know, Royal Caribbean provides by, you know, these are vetted excursions and these are excursions that will ensure that you'll get back on board the ship, right? They're not going to leave without you or kind of situations that for a lot of people is very important. Third parties, you're going to save money and you have a lot more choices to consider. But again, while there are benefits to everything in life and there are drawbacks as well, I don't feel like you should limit yourself to one or the other. I look at both, see what makes the most sense and then plan around either one to compensate for the downfalls of each one. If it's through Royal Caribbean and it's costing a little more money, well, then I fall back on something I talked about earlier, pre-purchase it, paid off over time, right? And that way you're not getting that bill at the end of the cruise. If it's through a third party, you know, when you're worried about getting back on the ship on time, I always plan to get back to the ship two to three hours ahead of time. I remember going, when we went to Havana, Cuba, and someone recommended a great shore excursion provider. And I was like, dude, I want to go with this guy because this provider, which is not through Royal Caribbean, has a fantastic reputation. And I emailed them. I said, hey, look, I want to get back to the ship at this time. And they wouldn't work with me. They said, no, we can't do that. You got to get back at this time. I said, nope. And I said, I'm not doing that one. So we ended up doing something different. But again, that that's what planning and, and looking at all the options are all about. So consider both. I always do. And then make the right choice for you. The next thing I have, we do now all the time. I never used to do this, but now I do this all the time is we pack our bathing suits and our carry on for embarkation day. One of the frustrating points, and if you've listened to this podcast, you've probably heard me talk about this. I think back on independence of the seas when we went there for, I think it was Thanksgiving a couple of years ago. We always embarkation day in our family is always a bit of a pain point. Not that we don't enjoy going on the cruise, but I think all the excitement of the cruise finally here between us and our kids, it kind of comes to a head and inevitably there's a bit of a meltdown usually from the children. And I think that frustration always came from, I think all that pent up excitement 
and the kids can't really express it, and it kind of just spills out there, right? Because they want to do all the fun things they've been thinking about, and we're like, no, we got to go do this, and we got to go register for that, and we have to go to muster drill, and they get kind of frustrated with it, and I think it just spills over, right? Because inevitably, as the cruise goes on, and they get over all that pent-up excitement, it does better towards the end of the cruise. So something we always do is pack our bathing suits on day one, we want to let them kind of burn off some of that energy and excitement, and we go to the pool deck. When my wife and I started cruising earlier on before kids, we would do a lot of the, you know, let's walk around the ship, let's explore, let's enjoy a drink, let's go to the solarium, kind of, you know, take it easy kind of thing. With the kids, it's you really got to take it back a step and say, okay, you know what? We're going to go eat lunch. That's always our number one thing because they're going to be hungry. I'm hungry as well. Then we put on our bathing suits and let them just go to town in the pool, the splash area, whatever the case may be, you know, to let them get that excitement out of there. And it's while it may not be exactly what my wife and I might do if we were alone on a cruise, it is the best idea for our family to be able to do that. Plus, one of us can, you know, between my wife and I, one of us can watch the kids. The other one can go do things like, you know, uh, reserve especially dining or go you know, sign us up for something like that. You know, we can we can go off and on or just simply enjoy our, a drink while watching them uh, at the pool. So. I really feel like packing bathing suits in the carry-on is a great idea, and it's probably one of the best times for the kids to enjoy either the pools, the splash areas, or even the water slides with far less weights because as the cruise goes on and everyone else has their bathing suits, obviously, there's a lot more competition for that. So really good tip over there. The next one is I always speak up if there's a problem, and this is something that I try to preach a lot here on the podcast and on Royal Caribbean Blog, and I often, you know, this comes great examples on the message boards at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, which, by the way, if you haven't joined, you got to check it out. A lot of fun over there on the message boards because it's a great community, but inevitably, we'll get a thread there every now and then. Somebody posts, usually it's their first post, and they're like, we just came back from some Royal Caribbean cruise, and we had a terrible time, and this went wrong, and this wasn't right, and this wasn't right. And inevitably, I'm reading, you know, the, the what they wrote here and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I wonder if they actually spoke up and said something. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But the bottom line is if there's a problem, you need to speak up about it and keep speaking up about it until there, until you get a resolution to it. Um, you know, whether it is a issue with your, with your dining, the food's not cooked correctly, perhaps there's a problem with your stateroom. No matter what the problem is, speak up about it. Uh, we On Anthem, this is my last cruise I just took, we had an issue with our kids' room. There was a weird smell. I thought for sure our kids left like some food on the ground and it was starting to like go bad and it was stinking up the room. Well, what we did a thorough search, couldn't find anything. So, you know, I told the stateroom attendant, I said, look, it kind of stinks in here. Uh, I'm not sure why. And the stateroom attendant was like, well, you know, he kind of gave me like a, a, a not, not the greatest answer I was looking for. And I said, hey, look, appreciate that. Is there someone else, you know, can we get someone else to speak with? Because I think there needs to be something, this is a problem needs to be taken care of. You got the deck manager, they took care of it. And you know what? It, it, then it was resolved. And this is, this can occur throughout your cruise. I mean, we love Royal Caribbean. I love Royal Caribbean, but things can happen. Bad things can happen or problems can occur. Not, not everything is a capital case. Some things are just minor things. But the bottom line is, if there's a problem, speak up. Let them know about it. Let them make it better. That is a key component to it. Don't suck it up. Don't say, well, it is what it is. At least try to see what they can do to make it better. Certainly it helps on your end if you're constructive and not like, you know, how dare you ruin my vacation? Like, don't start off like that. Be like, hey, look, you know, we, we encountered X, Y, and Z. I'm not sure if there's anything to be done about it, but, you know, what is what's your advice on what we can do to make this better? How do we make this better? And certainly speaking up if there's a problem during your sailing is a very, very important tip, something I do every single time. So make sure you do that. 
The next tip I do, I do this on every single cruise provided it's an Oasis or Quantum class ship, of course, and that is I pre-book my entertainment. Boy, I'll tell you, if you have if you're selling on any Oasis or Quantum class ship, do yourself a favor, pre-book your entertainment ahead of time. Whether it's shows, whether it's the North Star rides, anything you can pre-book, it just makes your life easier to do so. And I get it. You may not know exactly what your schedule is going to be. You're trying to also balance dining. You're trying to figure out, you know, where you're going to be. And it's hard to know if the two o'clock show on day six or the 7 p.m. show on day four is a better fit for you scheduling wise. At at some point, you just got to kind of throw it up in the air. It's almost like a Hail Mary, but it's better to have a reservation than not because the shows on Royal Caribbean ships and the activities that can be pre-booked are very popular They and, and spots for them go quickly. So do yourself a favor and pre-book them. When entertainment and activities are available to pre-book on sailings we go on that have the, that option, like Oasis or Quantum Plus ships, my wife and I, we sit down, we say, oh, look, let's just book something, put something down on paper, let's get something, something booked and we'll figure it out later. You can always change it, you can always cancel it and you can always try for maybe for a walk-up, but it just, at the end of the day, it makes your life so much easier to have pre-booked entertainment. Do yourself a favor and do that. The next tip I use is, assuming I don't have the drink package, is I always bring wine on board. Bringing wine on board is a great tip. My wife actually does this more often than not because she usually does not get the drink package. She's not much of a drinker in that regard. Certainly not enough to make it of, uh, worthwhile from a value standpoint. But bringing wine on board is one of the best things Royal Caribbean allows you to do from a value standpoint because you can bring up to two bottles of wine per stateroom on your Royal Caribbean cruise. And to be able to bring two bottles of wine you know, especially if you're drinking it alone, unless you really go to town on it, I suppose, should last you a, f- a couple nights at the very least. And and it's such a tremendous value to be able to do that. Yes, there is a corkage fee that can be associated with it. I say can be because I cannot recall the last time it was actually charged to me, uh, the corkage fee for opening wine in a bar or restaurant. That being said, I can't promise that won't you know happen to you. But even if they charge you the corkage fee, worth every penny because you're still saving so much money compared to buying the same bottle of wine on board ship. Plus, you get to bring the kind of wine that you actually like. You know, you're not limited to whatever menu Royal Caribbean has. You get to bring whatever wine you like. And it's it's a great trick. It, it allows us to save a lot of money and bring our favorite kind of wine. So that's a biggie. And our last tip, the last thing I do every single cruise, this is absolutely true. Every single time I use a porter on the last day. Porters are the people in the terminal who will carry your luggage for you. And it, it, I, I, it boggles my mind how few people use porters because I, I assume it's just because people don't want to tip them. You're not like you're tipping them 50 bucks, something like that. You're tipping a one to $2 a bag. Okay. So five to 10 bucks, probably we, we tip them and it is the best money I've ever spent every single time. You know why? On the last day of the cruise, I am disgruntled. I am tired. And the last thing I want to do is carry my own luggage. <laughs> it's just not fun. Who wants to do that? Grab a porter, let them do that. Heck, let them take my carry on that I have put that on there make the last fleeting moments of vacation that much easier on myself and and you know take that lift off my shoulders literally and figuratively on top of that in some ports and i would say i want to say many ports not all ports but many ports there is a special line for porters to be able to go through the customs line which saves us time port canaveral is one of these you definitely want to use it in port canaveral but using a porter is is can speed up your your experience getting out of the terminal and just on your way and it just makes your life a whole lot easier. So there you go. Ten things I use or do or see or experience on every single cruise. I feel like you should use these as a basis for yourself as well. Hopefully it helps you 
kind of weed through some of the tips. I definitely do other things as well, but these are the 10 that really stood out to me as something I do, and I hope that it'll help you have a better Royal Caribbean cruise. All right, time to answer your emails. This is the part of the podcast where I dive into our email inbox and answer some of the questions you've sent me. Um, I usually go with the oldest questions I get and go in reverse chronological order, but I wanted to hit upon two emails that were about last week's topic, which was travel insurance. And I think it's timely because if you probably listened to last week's episode, you might actually remember what we talked about, about travel insurance. We got two emails, so I wanted to talk about that and we'll go to our usual thing here. But uh, our first email today is from Becky who writes, I saw your post on Facebook about travel insurance. I felt compelled to share my story. I'll give you a high level synopsis, but if you'd like additional details, I'm happy to share. I went on a cruise in February on Mariner's Disease with my husband and three young daughters, nine, seven, and three. I booked over a year in advance, so I added some insurance to Royal Caribbean that I didn't know how much about at the time that would allow me to cancel and get a refund if something came up. The first day of the ship was magical. It was our second cruise as a family. First one was in 2017 when my baby was one, so this trip was going to be epic. Child watch up for all three. Tuesday, we woke up and we were docked in Nassau and had passes for the Atlantis. Just one problem. I woke up very ill, fever, and it felt like I was swallowing knives. But there was no way I was skipping the Atlantis, so we went off the ship. I ended up sleeping in the lounge chair most of the day. By Tuesday night, I gave up the fight and went to the ship's medical center. I had 103 fever and a severe case of tonsillitis. I was given an IV of meds, and they got my fever down and sent me back to my room to sleep. By 6 a.m. Wednesday morning, I was back at the medical center in more pain than before. Wednesday was supposed to be our day in Coco Key, but this was before the pier and it got canceled uh, due to high winds. We were heartbroken by this because it was the only reason we booked the cruise and Coco Key was the best day of our lives when we did it back in 2017. It worked out though, as we were still docked in Nassau on Wednesday night. And when the ship doctors told me my tonsils were so swollen, they feared I would develop an abscess, which could kill me. They then sent me to the ER in Nassau. Our ship was scheduled to leave at 5 p.m. By 3 p.m., the doctor in the ER was informing me that they were admitting me overnight. I had to text my husband and tell him to continue the cruise with three small children alone, and I had to stay in a foreign hospital alone. My husband managed to get through the next two nights alone, but I'm still not sure how he managed to pack up and carry five suitcases, multiple small bags, and three kids off a ship, though customs, and <laughs> to a shuttle, but he did it. Meanwhile, I was in the hospital racking up bills like you wouldn't believe. The ship medical facility charged me almost $600. The ER was about $2,500 before I could even be seen, another $5,000 before I was admitted. Thursday morning, I felt much better thanks to the copious amount of antibiotics I was given. It was then I realized the length of my stay in the hospital was estimated at three to five days per the whiteboard in my hospital room. My goal in life was to get out of there and back to Florida to my family. The doctor came in to see me and told, I told him I could say my credit card was maxed out so I could not give them another penny, little white lie. Shockingly, I was released after only one night in the hospital. I booked a flight from Nassau to Fort Lauderdale, booked a hotel room for that night, and Friday morning, I was reunited with my family and back at home. You would have thought that was the nightmare part of my story, but that was only the beginning. What I realized in the hospital with the help of a friend from home who was doing research for me was the insurance I bought over a year ago was actually Royal Caribbean travel insurance. I was covered, but first I would have to submit my foreign medical claims to Aetna, my medical issuer. I was not exaggerating when I tell you I spent no less than 30 hours over three months on the phone with them with my HR department, with my health advocate to get those claims processed. It was a total nightmare. And if I wasn't a highly educated benefits consultant who knew the system and how it should work, I'm not sure I would have been able to do it. I think most people would have given up, which may be what Aetna wants. At the end of the day, 
my uh, AON, Aon, Royal Caribbean Travel Insurance Provider, was a breeze to work with. Once I got Aetna to process my claims, which they covered nothing due to my high deductible plan, I was able to submit and get reimbursed for all my medical expenses. I was also reimbursed for the flight to Florida and was refunded part of the cruise cost. I also called Royal Caribbean and got my drink package refunded. Didn't know you could do that. The only beef I have with Aon slash Royal Caribbean trip and protection is they would not reimburse anything for my husband and kids because they did not get off the ship. We talked about them leaving the ship for all of two seconds. Nassau's not exactly safe. We had no idea where we would go. My husband and I quickly realized the safest and easiest thing for the kids would be to stay on the ship. But when you're traveling with three small children and mom gets sick, trip is over. It wasn't our dream vacation by any stretch and Royal Caribbean did not do anything for us that offer me a free cake and champagne for our next sailing. We always buy the drink package desserts and are free, so not much of an offer if you ask me. But we already booked to make our makeup trip. In November, we're going on Navigator of the Seas the week of Thanksgiving. Uh, I bought travel insurance again. We cannot wait to make it to Coco Key and we're hoping for an extended day at Coco Key that would make up for our last trip. Becky, I am so glad you shared the story because I think this is really, I know it's very long and usually shy away from those type of emails here, but I really feel like it's a good example of travel insurance, the importance of it. Obviously, Becky's story is, I mean, tonsillitis is not something everyone runs into. And in fact, most people probably will never run into tonsillitis, but it is a great example of how quickly you can rack up some serious bills from doing this stuff. And I am, uh, I, I think it was really helpful for me at least to hear your story there. So thank you as well. Our next email is from Robert Jaworski. Ritz. thanks for all you do. Great information. Following up on the recent episode 315 on travel insurance, I can highly recommend buying travel insurance, if not at the time of paying the deposit, differently when paying full amount. You never know when life will throw you a curveball. We've claimed twice. Recently, we had a loved one pass away two days before a cruise and we could not sail. The process was fairly easy. You need to call Royal Caribbean who will refund port taxes, gratuities, and any additions such as shore excursions, beverage, dining packages. The balance was refunded by the insurance company. The other incident was in Vanatu, Port Villa, where I was walking alongside a series of falls and an elderly couple accidentally slipped and pushed me over the edge of one of the ledges. Fell about six feet, broke my nose and some fingers. Luck considering. Anyway, when I got back to the ship, visited the medical center to have the doctor put me back together, the bill was huge, but a phone call to the emergency number on the insurance company and they took care of the bill prior to departure. Funny side note, uh, the wife made me go duty-free shopping prior to returning to the ship. So there I am walking around town with a bloody, with blood all over my face and shirt. Priorities, right? Happy wife, happy life. So for us, we value having insurance and taking an annual policy. This also covers us for any domestic travel as well. Robert, thanks for sharing this. And again, look, I mean, Robert's example, obviously a little less menacing than what happened to Becky there, but it's great examples of why certainly travel insurance makes sense for some people. And again, I don't want this to like scare people into like, hey, you gotta get travel insurance because it's gonna be awful. Again, statistically speaking, you're probably not gonna need it, but in both Robert's and Becky's situations there, boy, is it nice to have it when you have it. It's just peace of mind, right? Because you're racking up these bills, you know it's gonna cost you a pretty penny, but if you know that, oh, I got insurance to cover it, uh, it, you almost feel like, hey, what else can you get me over there, doc? <laughs> All right, let's go down. Uh, let's go ahead, hit up some more emails over here. Our next email is from somebody who didn't put their name in here. Darn it. Well, somebody's writing about Alaska, right? So howdy, Matt. My wife and I are planning an Alaska cruise for early 2020 to celebrate our 10th anniversary in-law and kid-free vacation. We currently have a refundable booking on Ovation of the Season late May. However, this only stops in Juneau, Skagway, and Victoria. Of course, this is a late, this is a round trip out of Seattle. 
when comparing this sailing with the north and southbound sailings on Radiance class ships, it seems we would be missing out on Ketchikan and Ice Strait Point. Additionally, Radiance class ships have a sailing day in Glacier Bay while Elevation sails by Dawes and Sawyer Glaciers. I'm concerned that we're not maximizing our vacation value by missing the additional ports while also understanding that we gain some convenience by flying in and out of Seattle. What would be your choice given the same options? I would tell you, first of all, I'm in the same situation, brother. I am on Ovation next year going on the June 5th sailing and we came up with the same issue. If I, this is what I would tell you, my given the choices, if you have unlimited time off, like if taking two weeks off is not a problem for you, like in terms of vacation time or anything like that, definitely do Radiance class, do the northbound, go to Vancouver, do the round trip, that's the way to go. You're gonna understand it's gonna take you more time, you need two weeks for that, because obviously it's seven nights up, seven nights back, and you're gonna be whatever costs are associated with flying to and from Vancouver. If you're a US resident, that's an international flight, it's gonna cost you more than flying to Seattle, bottom line. Now, of course you can fly to Seattle, take a car, blah, blah, blah. I'll leave that out, uh, out of this conversation, but the bottom line is flying to Seattle is a whole lot easier. That's what it's all about. With Seattle and Ovation, you're, first of all, Ovation offers a whole lot more to do on board. You're going seven nights out of the same port, easy peasy, and you still get to go to Alaska. It's not to say that while the other places that you're mentioning that you'd be missing out on are wonderful, I mean, you're still going to Alaska, you're still doing getting an Alaska experience there. And I did that last year in 2018 on Explorer of the Seas, did the round trip out of Seattle. I'm doing the round trip out of Seattle again on Ovation. Number one reason, and probably the only reason is time. I, I just can't take two weeks off and I'm not flying to or from Alaska. So that's kind of my rationale there. So uh, hopefully that answers your question there. Let's move on to our next email. It is from Steve Hook. Right, hi Matt, thanks for your blog. I've been listening now for a couple months and love the information you offer about Royal Caribbean. I just signed up as a Royal Caribbean blog insider to support your great information about Royal Caribbean. I've been on seven Royal Caribbean cruises so far and have five more scheduled in the next year, including an 11 night Southern Caribbean in February, 2020, in which I was able to score an $18 per day deluxe beverage package, sweet. If I only had more vacation time for more cruises, however, living only 20 minutes from Baltimore doesn't, does help with taking cruises out of grandeur of the seas and still being able to get to work on the day we return. I have a couple questions. In the past, I purchased the Cafe Select coffee card. When I did, it was advertised as being good on any ship other than Starbucks, uh, but online, it seems that it's only good for this sailing, which it is purchased. Do you know if Royal Caribbean will continue to honor it across sailings? Uh, they've never offered it across sailings, Steve. So the answer to your question is, when you buy a coffee card, it is for that sailing only. If you use it on other sailings, well, that was not, somebody was not paying close attention, quite frankly, but, um, According to the rules, it's always it's always for one sailing. So when you buy the coffee card, it's for like you know use at like a place like uh, Cafe Latitudes or Cafe Promenade, uh, but it's for that particular sailing. Really, the value, Steve, in the coffee card is sharing it because you can not only use it for yourself but also for other people like maybe your spouse or kids or whomever you're sailing with. That would be you know obviously that's the advantage over say buying a drink package in which you can't share the benefits there. So. Steve also wants to know, can MEI travel or other travel agencies process Club Royale offers and reservations? I get offers all the time, but usually book them through directly through Club Royale. Uh, however, based on your advice offered on the blog, I would consider using a travel agent instead. Yes, they can. I know MEI travel does regularly book folks who get uh, the Club Royale offers. This is the special offers and rates uh, that are available through Royal Caribbean's Casino. And yes, MEI travel can book that for you, Steve. So problem solved. And thank you for being a Royal Caribbean Blog Insider and Steve for considering using our, or supporting our sponsor, MEI Travel, really means a lot. Thank you. Uh, next, we have an email from Lander who writes, thanks for all the suggestions about our next cruise. We're looking 
for what you recommend to Southern Caribbean, but out of Florida instead of Puerto Rico. Another question I have, is there any ships that have a covered running track? I'm training for a marathon, need to run outside, but I don't have depth perception and don't want to cause a domino if I'm running into people. Thanks for reading my email again. The Oasis class has a covered running track. Yes, those ships, uh, the running track is on what would otherwise be called the promenade deck. And that is, I think, covered the entire way. So, Lander, hopefully that answers your question there. And we got time for another email or two here. Let's go to Kevin O'Brien who writes, Hi Matt, I want to start off with, I love the blog and really enjoy listening to the podcast every week. I recently got my best friends into cruising by taking their first cruise with me this past March on Alert of the Seas. The cruise bug has bit them. They ended up booking Liberty of the Seas for June and then they booked Harmony of the Seas for September 20th, 2020. They, they went all for Harmony of the Seas by booking an Aqua Theater Suite YOLO Book It while they were on board Liberty. Of course, what I learned is I just had a YOLO Book It myself and ended up getting an Ocean View balcony just 10 rooms down from my friends who have graciously offered for us to enjoy their balcony with them during their cruise. My question is, this sailing is going to Perfect Day at Coco Key, San Juan, then St. Martin. I noticed that Coco Key is only there from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Why does Royal Caribbean make us visit so short? Do you think they might extend us for hours a bit? I would think it'd be a minimum save at least till 6 p.m., uh, I'll be sure to get off the ship as soon as possible to enjoy every minute. Also, would you recommend getting a cabana? We're thinking about splitting one between us and our friends. Kevin, thanks for the email. Cabanas, they're getting pricier, Kevin, so I'd look at the prices, but if you can split the cost, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's a great thing to do. It's just a matter of cost, quite frankly, more than anything, but I love the cabanas there. In terms of the timing of Perfect Day Cuckoo Key, uh, there's a lot of factors involved, Kevin, primarily the itinerary, right? Because you mentioned they're going from, you know, Perfect Day Cocoa Keys in the Bahamas, which, you know, you're, you're coming on, this is Harmony of the Seas out of Port Canaveral, pretty short distance there. But to get from the Bahamas over to your next port, which I think was is either going to be San Juan or St. Martin, that's not around the corner. It's a bit of a hike to get there. Obviously, they have to go all the way there and then come all the way back. I, I'm assuming that's part of the consideration. Now, that being said, Kevin, Royal Caribbean has begun extending some of these stays a little bit longer on some sailings, primarily Navigator and Mariner, as we've seen. That may change, Kevin, so maybe you'll get lucky, but I think logistics is at play here. If, if I had to guess, I really don't know the answer. I can't give you a definitive answer, but that would be my guess as to why that's the case. But if you're you're absolutely right, you're on the right track there. If you're getting there at 7 a.m., maximize your time. I mean, I know it's crazy and it's going to feel awful when you wake up at you know 5.30 to get up in the morning, but get, do yourself a favor get up early, get off the ship first. It's really gonna make a big difference in terms of maximizing your day. Because I'm gonna tell you from experience, you're going to want to spend as much time as possible over in Perfect Day Coco Key. Uh, next email from Michelle writes, new to Royal Caribbean, our trip is booked for August 9th. Welcome back. On a waste of the seas, we're going around the Western Mediterranean. Thanks for all your input. Well, Michelle, I'm really glad and hope you had a great cruise as well. But thanks for listening and appreciate the email. All right, got time for one more email now, and it's from uh, Rhonda from Kansas City. We'll be cruising for the first time in Royal Caribbean in September on a seven-day cruise to the Greek Isles on Jewel of the Seas. We decided to splurge and get the owner's suite. I'm a new listener to your podcast. I haven't heard you mention this ship too much. We're traveling with three other couples. One couple has a junior suite, and the other two, not sure about the other two. Are we allowed to bring friends with us into the private suite areas? Thanks so much. Love your show. Rhonda, officially the answer is no. Um, in fact, you'll probably get a letter from the concierge just about a week or so prior to your cruise via email, and you get another letter in your stateroom. And basically, Royal Caribbean states you're not supposed to bring people who were not sweet guests to enjoy sweet guest benefits. They're reserved for sweet guests. I mean, the 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 rationale, and I, I can't say I don't disagree with it, Rhonda, is if ever if all the sweet guests you know started bringing on other people there, you, know, you have a crowded concierge lounge, it would diminish the value of what is otherwise supposed to be an exclusive opportunity, whether it is the concierge lounge or you know whatever other benefits you're getting, 
it takes away from if, if you can simply invite other people there. I certainly understand you're cruising with other people and you want to be able to spend time with them, but that's what the rules are. That's what they state. And uh, that's what I will tell you is the uh, what you're allowed to do according to the rules there. So, Rada, thank you for sending in your email. And one last email today coming to us from Kathleen, who writes, I have a cruise booked on Adventure of the Seas for April 2020. I'm concerned now there won't be enough activities for my grandchildren who are 11, 8, and 5 on this older ship. Perhaps a different ship. Your thoughts, please. Kathleen, your Adventure of the Seas is a great ship. It's a Voyager-class ship. Uh, you, they've got water slides on board, pool deck. I mean, don't underestimate the kids' desire to spend a lot of time just hanging out by the pool, going down the water slides, splashing about. I think they'll have a great time. And, I, and of course, you've got Adventure Ocean. Don't overlook Adventure Ocean as the focal point of where your kids can spend a lot of time there. Um, I, no, I would not hesitate one bit about recommending adventure. Are there other ships that offer more? Certainly, Kathleen. But I don't want you to look at this as, oh, the ship has nothing to offer us. I mean, if we were talking about maybe Majesty of the Seas or Rhapsody of the Seas, I can at least see more to where your point is. But I think you're vastly underestimating the amount of activities for your grandchildren on board a ship like Adventure. Um, the Voyager class is a fantastic ship for families. I think there is certainly plenty for them to do on board. I don't know that they'll be bored for any means. Um, and to say there won't be enough activities, you'd have to limit yourself considerably in order for that to occur. So Kathleen, I think you're you're on a great ship there. I wouldn't worry too much about it. So in look forward to it. Um, you can also look at a, uh, I would recommend Kathleen, you also look at a, a past cruise compass from Adventure of the Seas. Because I think you'll see when you look at that, oh, there's a lot of things happening on board. Movies, uh, mini golf, variety of other things that are uh, to do on board. You've got um, rock climbing wall, lots of great stuff going on on board there. So um, hopefully that answers your question there, Kathleen. Thank you to everybody for sending in emails. And of course, if you want to send me your email, you can always do so by sending it to matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again real soon.